1: Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the Sports betting Network. It's the look ahead. Scott Seidenberg coming to you live from the Circus Sports Book in downtown Las Vegas. You can follow along on Twitter at Scott's On Air. Hit us all up at Vsin Live. Sunday, bloody Sunday is what the theme of the day was. Certainly for the sports books as the public had a tremendous day betting favorites in the NFL on Sunday favorites went 8 and 4 9 and 2 straight up including 7 and 0 favorites went in the early window now the jaguars covered as an underdog they won outright that game was at 9:30 eastern time on Sunday morning from london and then the cowboys were the only favorite to win in the late window with the cardinals and the raiders winning outright and then the Steelers win the game, but they don't cover on Sunday night football. But in that early window, that 1 o'clock Eastern time window, favorites went undefeated, and the books got crushed. The public did well, but you know who also didn't do well? The Sharps. The Sharps that, you know, the professional bettors did not have a good Sunday. Because if you looked at where the money concentration was, On a lot of these games that saw the favorites win, there was a heavy money concentration on a lot of underdogs, including the Chargers, which were one of the more popular picks amongst a lot of sharp betters this weekend. In fact, Chargers were were getting 70% of the handle, and they got the doors blown off them by the Baltimore Ravens. Elsewhere, you know, teams that were receiving a a large percentage of the bets that did not cover the Steelers, obviously a big one, that did not cover the Patriots, uh, did not cover the Browns, did not cover you know, these were picks that were popular amongst a lot of sharp bettors and they did not come through. But in that early window, It was the Packers covering against the Bears, the Bengals against the Lions convincingly, Colts convincingly over the Texans, Rams easily over the Giants, the Chiefs easily over Washington. Vikings covered, but it took overtime. Panthers made it a game. They came back. They scored two-point conversion. They sent that game into overtime. Vikings uh, do cover, though, in overtime. Ravens completely uh, blow the doors off of the Chargers, so they cover. And then in the late window, the Browns were favored, but the Cardinals, without their head coach, without other assistant coaches, without key players missing in the COVID protocol, uh, they just blow out the Browns as Cleveland turned the football over and really had no chance in this game. Biggest mistake, in my opinion, in that game was early on where uh, Kevin, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski decided not to take the points, and I always hate when that happens. Is To go for it that early in the game, I understand the philosophy of it. And then we're talking about the first possession of the game uh, for the Browns. Because on the first possession, uh, oh, the second possession. The first possession, they go three and out. Then the the Cardinals move down the field, they score a touchdown. So it's 7 nothing, still in the first quarter. And you get down to the 13-yard line. At that point, I understand the philosophy. We're going to be aggressive. This is in our nature. This is what we do. We go for it on fourth down because we're going to get a field goal and we're going to, you know, we're going to win this game or we're going to tie this game up. I'm saying we're getting a touchdown. We're going to tie this game. We don't play for field goals. We're not going to beat the Cardinals kicking field goals, whatever. I understand that mentality. However, my mentality is to give my team a win. To come away with points. To leave my offense feeling satisfied after a long drive. And also, weighing the risk of putting my team completely behind the eight ball. You see, they get the first down there, yes. It would be great. And do they score a touchdown? That's not guaranteed. What if uh, Baker gets sacked? What if there's an offensive penalty? The touchdown's not guaranteed there. But a field goal is 90-something percent from the 13-yard line, right? I would rather just be down 7-3, kick it off, start fresh. But what happened there? The Browns go for it on fourth down. They don't get it. And then the Cardinals march all the way down the field and score another touchdown. Now, instead of it being 7-3 and you start with a fresh drive, or even if you give the Cardinals a touchdown, it's 14-3, it's 14 nothing. Next possession results in a quick fumble. Cardinals get a field goal. Next possession, Baker throws an interception. Cardinals get another field goal. It's 20 to nothing before you can even blink. And I just think it would have been a lot easier on the team, put a lot of less pressure on Baker and everybody if you were just down 7-3, to you got yourself a victory, you get that zero off the scoreboard, and you see what happens from then on. Obviously, the turnovers hurt them. Can't fumble the ball. Can't throw interceptions. Baker played very poorly. And the Hail Mary hail mary touchdown at the end of the half makes his game look a little bit better. But Baker was 19 of 28 passing for 234 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, and two lost fumbles. But again, the Hail Mary at the end of the first half Is going to uh, make the game, make his game look a little bit better. So take away a 57 yard touchdown from his stat line, and all of a sudden, Baker's Day looks really, really bad. We're talking about, let's say, 19, we're talking 18 of 28 for under 200 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and the two lost fumbles. Just a bad performance. Obviously, you know, being without Nick Chubb hurts their offense significantly. And uh, for me, picking this game and picking the Browns, maybe I should have thought, maybe that should have weighed more on me. I felt that Kareem Hunt could pick up the slack. He obviously couldn't, but the game script just didn't even allow him to because they were just down a lot early on. Meanwhile, Kyler Murray continues to shine. Kyler Murray, 20 of 30 passing, 229 yards. Four touchdowns. Didn't run the ball a lot, but didn't have to. James Conner had a nice day, 71 rushing yards. But really, it was Kyler Murray doing doing his thing, throwing the touchdown passes, and the Cardinals defense. They improved now to 6-0 on the year and winning a huge game without their head coach, offense coordinator, play caller. Just, Just a very, very good win for them. Uh, The Raiders, speaking of good wins, the first win in the Rich Passaccia era as he took over for John Gruden. Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, takes over the play-calling responsibilities, and the Raiders just looked good. And there was a noticeable difference in the Raiders' offense here early on because there was... And, and, and this was documented during the game, when John Gruden was the play caller, there was a significant, significant dominance from pass plays to run plays. Like one of the highest percentages in the NFL of pass to run. This was a much more balanced offense with Greg Olson calling the plays. They ran the ball 23 times, they only threw the ball, they threw the ball 27 times. So it was much more balanced than it was under John Gruden. And it was, you know, Josh Jacobs had himself a decent day, but Kenyon Drake also got involved in the offense, um, not just in the, in, the, you know, in the passing, in the rushing game, but in the passing game. Henry Ruggs had a big-time big time play, a nice long catch, and Derek Carr, he played well. 341 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, it was the defense as well, intercepting Teddy Bridgewater three times. Just a good all-around performance from this Raiders team in the first game without head coach John Gruden. Uh, that game, I felt my, my top play on that game was the under. It goes over. 34-24 is the final score. So, a little upset about that. Um, but then again, this was just a bad Sunday. And uh, was it going to go under if not for the, the last touchdown it was pretty much uh, you know, a, a foregone conclusion that this thing was just going to be a loss. Uh, the Cowboys, speaking of crushing defeats, if you add the Patriots plus the points, it's just, it's, it's a tough blow. There's no other way around it. It is a tough blow. And if you had the under, tough blow as well. Because this was a game that was 14-10 at the half. And after the third quarter, it was 17-14. Cowboys go up 20-14. to Patriots take a lead 21-20. Then Trayvon Diggs with his second pick six of the year. He now has an interception in every game this season. Trayvon Diggs, you want to talk about defensive player of the year. This guy is the defensive player of the year. His seven interceptions are the most in a full season by a Cowboys player. Since 1985, Everson Walls had nine, and he has an interception in all six games this season, tied for the longest streak to begin a season in NFL history. And so the Cowboys uh, cover as road favorites. They are now 6-0 and against the spread this season. That is the uh, only team to be perfect so far this year. Scott Sadenberg here on The Look Ahead. Let me tell you about Indeed. Indeed helps find great hires fast. Indeed is your all-in-one platform for interviewing, screening, and hiring high-quality people. Visit Indeed.com credit. Coming up next, we will take a look once again at this NFL board from this past Sunday, all the favorites covering, and we'll take a look ahead at what the lines are for next week. We also have one day at Football to talk about as well. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is the look ahead here on v the sports betting network.
0: If you dare.
2: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. VSN is now available 24-7 on the YouTube TV Sports Plus Package. Sign up today at tv.youtube.com to start your free trial. And remember... You can also watch us 24-7 on Hubo TV, Sling, and Xfinity X1. Visit VEASAN.com to find all the ways to watch and listen to VEASAN. Scott Zadenberg here with you. The look ahead on VEASAN, the sports betting network. I mentioned the Cowboys being 6-0 and against the spread this season. Dak Prescott threw for 445 passing yards. In the game against the Patriots. And uh, how about this stat? That Dak's 445 passing yards in that game? The most ever against a Bill Belichick coached Patriots team. Including the playoffs. So behind Dak Prescott and Trayvon Diggs. Uh, the Cowboys are rolling right now. The top five consensus picks in the Circa Millions contest went 4-1. and one with the Browns as the only pick that lost. Packers, Cowboys, thanks to the touchdown in overtime, the Chiefs, and the Vikings all covered as favorites as the early window just dominated for favorites. And as far as the survivor pools, did anybody get eliminated? Uh, In Circa Survivor, only 42 picks, including 10 no-picks, so 10 people that forgot to put their entry in, uh, 42 picks, or really 32, were lost. 2,226 are still alive. Um, More than half of the pool used the Colts against the Texans. And um, more people, you know, 277 used the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. So that's pretty interesting. I mean, look at this board, and there was really no upsets. So uh, it would be obviously not surprising to see that nobody got eliminated. I know in my survivor pool that I'm in, uh, no one got eliminated this week. Um, No one. So now let's uh, take a look at where we sit here in terms of the standings and where we can go from here in the NFL and and think about maybe some futures or where teams are kind of evaluated, right? The Bills, they're playing on Monday Night Football against the Titans. We'll see what they come away with, but it's their division to lose. The AFC North now, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens, that victory over the Chargers was so impressive. And yes, the Chargers looked like they never got off the plane to be honest with you, and there was the whole West Coast team coming East Coast, but obviously it didn't affect the Rams as they blew out the Giants, and it never affects Sean McVay, but Brandon Staley maybe didn't have his team prepared for this one. They looked terrible, but the Ravens were very impressive, and with the Browns losing and falling to 3-3, and and the Ravens are two games up on the Browns now, and all of a sudden, you look at the standings, and maybe... The Browns aren't their competition in the AFC North. Maybe it's the Cincinnati Bengals who are 4-2 and this season. And these two teams will meet up in Baltimore this next weekend. The Ravens are 6.5-point favorites in that game, by the way. But who saw that coming? Bengals, Ravens, in Week 7? To determine first place in the AFC North? I certainly didn't. AFC South, Colts winning definitely helps them, but they're still 2-4. and four. And the Titans, they could fall to 3-3 three and three if they lose to the Bills on Monday Night Football. So we'll wait to see what happens there. And then the West, with the Chargers losing and the Raiders winning, Raiders, they're 4-2, and two, tied with the Chargers, but the Chiefs now, not out of it. Chiefs are 3-3. Three and three and they're just one game back. That Chargers loss was big because now it keeps the Chiefs alive. Had the Chargers won, they would be 5 and 1 and 2 games ahead of the Chiefs with a tiebreaker over the Chiefs. Now, it's a little fee- a little more feasible, so don't count out the Kansas City Chiefs just yet. Cowboys are going to run away with the NFC East. They're 5 and 1, 6 and 0 oh against the spread. Uh, Packers are going to run away with the North. They are five and one. Minnesota improving to three and three with an overtime victory. They're just playing way too many close games. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks look like they're going to run away with the NFC South, and then the Cardinals in the West. Six and zero is unbelievable, but the Rams aren't going anywhere. Rams are five and one, and it'll be decided between those two teams. But looking at the rest of the division now, with Russell Wilson's injury and the way that the Seahawks are going to have to play without him, and what we've seen from the San Francisco 49ers, who are 2-3, and three, maybe this is only a division where two teams are going to make the playoffs and not three teams, which was the idea that people thought, or you know, every maybe even four teams, uh, that people thought before the season had started. Maybe it's just going to be the Cardinals and the Rams going into the postseason and not uh, a, a multitude of teams coming from. That division. Let's take a look here real quick at the lines for week seven in the NFL. It'll start on Thursday night football with the Cleveland Browns coming off that horrific performance. Baker Mayfield banged up. uh, No, uh, as we talked about, no um, Nick Chubb in that game. The Browns injury report is going to be something that you will have to monitor over the next couple of days. Browns take on the Broncos Thursday night football. Browns are five-point favorites at home. Moving on to Sunday, battle for the AFC North, first place on the line. Ravens, six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Bengals. Then it's the Packers, and, and and this is one of the games, and this is a, a crazy week in the NFL because you have three double-digit spreads that really look like, uh, you know, it's like a, more like a college board here. But the Packers, 10.5-point favorites over Washington. Then you have Miami, a 1.5-point favorite over Atlanta. Miami coming off that London game, which they lost to the Jaguars, are now 1.5-point favorites at home against the Falcons coming off a bye. Maybe, a di- maybe that spread flips over the next couple of days. Patriots are laying 6.5 at home to the Jets. Uh, we saw what happened last time these two teams faced with the, uh, sa- with the uh, multiple interceptions for Zach Wilson. The Panthers are laying two and a half at the Giants. Two and a half points at the Giants. We now know no Christian McCaffrey. Um, but the Panthers, who fought hard, forced overtime against the Vikings, will travel to New York. They're laying two and a half at the Giants. The Chiefs are laying four points on the road at the Titans. Kansas City uh, turned the football over again on Sunday. Turnovers have plagued them this season. Didn't hurt them in this game because they have, uh, they, they won and they won convincingly over Washington, but they have 14 turnovers on the season. That's the most through six games by an Andy Reid coach team since his final year with the Eagles back in 2012. The Rams are laying 15 and a half, Against the Detroit Lions. Anybody want to take Detroit? Anybody? Uh, You have the Raiders returning home to take on the Eagles. The Raiders are laying three points against Philadelphia. The Cardinals laying 17 points against the Houston Texans. 6-0 Arizona Cardinals. 17-point favorites over the Houston Texans. See, this is like a college football line here. The Bucks at home against the Bears are laying 13 points over Chicago. Sunday Night Football will feature the 49ers and the Colts. And boy, do we wish flex scheduling could happen earlier. Uh, the 49ers are four-point favorites over the Colts. And then Monday Night Football will feature the Saints as a three-and-a-half-point road favorite against the Seahawks. Your highest point total of the week is 15. 56 and a half between the Chiefs and the Titans. Your lowest point total of the week is 43, and that is between the Jets and the Patriots. So a couple of thoughts right there looking at these lines. You have one, two, three, four double-digit favorites on the board Uh, in the Packers, the Cardinals, the Bucks and the Rams. And honestly, I don't think any one of them is in jeopardy of losing their game. is Washington, as putrid as they've looked this season, going to go into Lambeau and defeat the Packers? Is the Lions, are they the upset pick? Is Detroit going to go into L.A., and upset the Rams. Are the Texans going to beat the Cardinals in Arizona when you consider the Cardinals playing without their head coach, their play caller, some other members of the coaching staff, a couple of players that were out, looked as dominant as they did against the Browns? And are the Bucs under Tom Brady going to lose to the Bears at home? You know, this could be uh, one of those, this could be another week where the public just has themselves a day. Now, maybe they don't cover, but Moneyline Parlays will absolutely be popular amongst the public this week. Speaking of the public versus the books, let's find out exactly from the book perspective what went down on Sunday. Dwayne Colucci from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook joins me next here on VCIT. BeSin, the Sports Betting Network. We're back here, it's the look ahead on BeSin, the Sports Betting Network. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ScotsOnAir. Follow us all at BeSin Live. Joining me now from the Rampart Race and Sportsbook, Dwayne Colucci. And Dwayne, uh, let's just uh, jump right into it, brother. Uh, how bad was it on Sunday? <laughs>
3: uh it was it was bad i got to say uh you know uh it, it was Once Dallas scored that touchdown, Scott, that's when we started to get a sense of how bad it was really going to be. That basically put everything over the top. And, you know, you look at it, there were some easy games. There were some sides that the public really felt couldn't afford to get into losing positions like the Chiefs. You know, they knew basically when their backs are against the wall, they're a team that really performs. And even though they hadn't covered in several weeks, they just exploded and that was a big public game. The Rams were another game that was so, you know, easy from a handicap perspective. You know, there's no Saquon. Jones is just playing terrible and coming off the concussion and the Giants just don't seem to have any focus this year. Uh, A lot of people were also backing uh, the Vikings. I I was surprised in that because I kind of like Carolina a little in that matchup, but there were several games, Scott, where the public were just all over the sides and you know uh, it, the outcomes just fell into place and as we started to line up and post the games you could see whether it was parlay cards or parlays teasers both side winners on some of these games it just becomes hard for the book to make any money and after that first wave i think the morning games we were like even at rampart and south point and then uh, the dallas game was just huge and mm. we end up losing then eventually six figures so it wasn't a good weekend
1: you know, it's it's crazy because when you see a weekend like this and everyone always says, oh, the public did well, the public did well, but sometimes the books don't don't hurt as much because the sharp bettors get killed as well because they're not necessarily betting the same things that the public is betting, so the money does even out. But like you said, after the Cowboys game, that's when the book really got uh, in, in the negative here on Sunday, right? Yeah,
3: definitely. That was it, Scott. And, you know, like you said, some of the sharp sides even won you know the Raiders were a sharp side Mm -hmm. and the public was a little split on that game you know what I'm saying because they felt that the Gruden situation especially the public here in Las Vegas this wasn't the opportune time to back the Raiders so the Sharps jumped on that game Seahawks were another game where you have all these parlays and teasers liability going both sides in the game more to the Steelers but the Sharps actually had the Seahawks so you know you got a couple of sharp sides you had a lot of public side that Dallas game was huge you know it's that the whole week at three and a half four three and a half four and you're anticipating a field goal to end the game and then they punch it in and that was just a key game Also, the Ravens, uh, you know, the Chargers, they got caught slipping after playing so many fabulous games in a row. And even though the Ravens had the short week rest, we saw some backing on them. And naturally, the Packers, you know, everybody's going to bet them against (laughs) the Bears uh, from a public side, you know, not to slight the Bears. They were improving, but you just get a sense now that Aaron Rodgers has his head back into everything, Scott. Yeah. And the public did very well. I mean, they did well on Saturday as well at my shop and uh, the South Point, you know, so rough weekend for the books. But, you know, you know, you see a couple of these per year, you're definitely going to see the public get the upper hand uh, at least two to three weeks each season but you know uh, we're built to last especially with jimmy and uh, chris making all the decisions at south point and rampart has a fabulous handle so you know uh, we got to take our lumps it's good to see the public win once in a while even though we get greedy as bookmakers
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know i want
3: every every win i could get on every weekend but it just don't always happen like that
1: yeah of course um Taking a look at next week's lines, Dwayne, uh, you have a couple of double-digit favorites, have four of them, double-digit favorites in the NFL. It looks more like a college football card than an NFL (laughs) board, to be honest with you. Uh, But how rare is that, that you have so many heavy favorites on the board?
3: Well, I'm just hoping it doesn't get to be like the baseball season, where some of the drop-offs are so tremendous. Yeah. That's why you're starting to see these big lines. I mean, there are some bad teams out there. <laughs> and as bookmakers, you have to take this into consideration. You're going to see Green Bay be a double-digit favorite over Washington. Washington has played some bad games at home. You know, Haneke, sometimes he makes mistakes. And Aaron Rodgers is riding high now. So you're seeing 10 points on that game. You know the Rams are just prolific right now. Once Stafford and Cooper Cup and all these guys get going, uh, they're like a machine. So 15 and a half against a poor Detroit team that week in, week out seems to just flop, not perform up to standards, seems like they're poorly coached. They don't have that much talent on the roster, so you're going to see that. And naturally, Tom Brady, you know, they, this line may be a little overinflated. Like I said, the Bears have played some decent games, but you're traveling into Tampa, and that's a very difficult place to play. And Houston's just horrible, Scott. Let's put the eggs on the, you know, in the basket. They are just terrible. There is no bright side on that. Maybe Brandon Cooks, but you have to get this guy to ball through double coverage. They never perform well. You're seeing all these teams cover and beat them uh, you know, substantially. So this is why you're seeing these double-digit favorites. There is a drop-off from the bottom teams. You start dealing with Detroit-Houston. You don't see many
1: wins on the docket. Let's get into baseball, Dwayne, because obviously the Braves winning as a big underdog here on Sunday. They win the first two games. Game one was kind of an even line at minus 110 both ways. But what's been the handle like on the uh, NLCS so far with the Dodgers being such a popular pick, especially here in Las Vegas? Everyone loves the Dodgers, but the Braves winning as an underdog in both games.
3: Yeah, the Braves had leads also, though, in the previous years in some of these series, Scott. But, you know, uh, we have an L.A.-based clientele, especially at my shop. They love the Dodgers. I posted a few big uh, Dodger futures on my Twitter account that were purchased at the Rampart. So, you know, a lot of Dodger backers, they're going to continue to back this team. 58 wins at home. Now they get back. And and it's so it's so funny to say, Scott, 106-win team, and they don't have the home field in, <laughs> in this year each. But a credit, Atlanta played great tonight, I'll be honest with you. They started to show their heart. And I got I got a little sense when the Dodgers didn't put it away. They had the loaded bases. They were winning 4-2. They could have used a hit there that would have just opened yep, it up yep. and opened the floodgates. And they couldn't do it, Scott. Four hits on the night, and that's uncharacteristic for the Dodgers. I think Roberts had a bad game managing. Yes. Uh, it seemed like the pitching w- was backed into a corner. He's using too many pitchers now. He has to rely on Scherzer a little more. I know Max is confused because he definitely seems frustrated when you pull this guy for four and a half, five innings. He's built for durability, even though he's pitched a lot against the Giants and now against the Braves. You have to take this into consideration. Thus far, Roberts has been outmanaged, and he has to definitely get a feel and a grip on that lineup. They're missing Max Muncy big time. I mean, that big stick in the middle of the lineup just loosens things up for the rest of the players. Mookie is still playing fabulous. Chris Taylor has found his stride again. So I I don't really see any problems. I, I do see a problem that he used Urias tonight. I was shocked at that. And that ended up being the turning point, basically, because he gave up the lead. And then, uh, you know, a bad bounce. Seeger makes a, an error. It was sharply hit. I don't know how they scored it, but they just uh, walked it off. And the Braves again, a credit, just playing well at home.
1: I just, I, I, I was shocked that he took uh, Gratterall out and put Kenley Jansen in. You know, the guy, Bruce Dahl, uh, You know, Gratterall's throwing one on two with. Uh, I, I just, I wouldn't have taken him out there. Uh, I agree. Dwayne, NBA season starts on Tuesday. Um, any large futures coming in at the Rampart?
3: Well, naturally, you know, we have the good backing on uh, the similar teams in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn is definitely seeing a lot of backing. Milwaukee, we've seen a couple of Sharpies take uh, Golden State to bounce back and possibly find their stride again this year. Dallas is popular. Denver is popular. You know, uh, Phoenix definitely at my shop. So we're seeing a good spread and a good mix this year. And always the Lakers, you know, when they're putting out this veteran team that is so well-rounded, if these guys could stay healthy, it's going to be very hard to beat this team. I think the acquisition of Westbrook is good. I I mean, a lot of people are critical of it. I think he'll fit in. Then you compliment Carmelo. You know, they have so much talent. And if LeBron and Davis stay healthy, what a team this becomes so always going to see a lot of laker futures like i said la very popular some sharps did take golden state and repetitious in the east also we're seeing a little miami heat money people are thinking they definitely could uh, you know with the acquisition there lowry the point guard that could definitely help them over the top and uh, you know just solid all around i'm looking for a great nba season which we should have i think it's going to be very competitive especially in the West, the East as well, too. You're going to see some uh, surprises and improved
1: teams make a run at Giannis and the Bucs. Well, oh, we can't wait to watch it. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining <laughs> me and uh, love talking to you each and every week here on Beeson. Definitely, Scott. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, as always. There he is, Dwayne Colucci, race and sportsbook manager over at the Rampart. A hey, first bet wants to get you ready for the Breeders' Cup with a chance to win $1,000 in free bets. Go to VEASAN.com slash horses to enter for your chance to win. The grand prize winner will have $1,000 deposited into their account before Friday, November 5th, just in time for the Breeders' Cup. There are plenty of runner-up prizes as well, so sign up today at VEASAN.com slash horses. Terms and conditions apply. Go to VEASAN.com slash horses for more information. I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VEASAN, the sports betting network.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase
0: necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: On Zin, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of the Look Ahead is presented by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. Zinn is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zin nicotine pouches are a smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go anywhere and anytime, so you never miss a minute of the game or the tailgate party. Available in 10 varieties, including spearmint, coffee, and citrus, Zin can be found at convenience stores nationwide, so you can find your Zin wherever you are. Zin's nicotine pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell. Plus, it's easy to use indoors or out, Making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zyn comes in two strengths, so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zyn contains nicotine and is only for adult nicotine consumers, 21 and over. Learn more and find your local retailer at zyn.com. That's zy n.com. Warning: This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg here with you on The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network. Monday Night Football will wrap up Week 6 in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills heading to Tennessee to take on the Titans. The Bills are a 6-point favorite in Nashville, and the Bills this season are on a tear. Got off to the slow start, losing to the Steelers, but since then have won four straight games and have a point differential of 108 to make to put that in perspective the Arizona Cardinals who are 6 and 0 this year have a point differential of 85 points the bills have scored 172 they have only allowed 64 points. The next lowest team in the NFL is 91 points allowed by the New Orleans Saints, who are 3-2, so they've played the same amount of games as the Buffalo Bills. But the Bills, after losing to the Steelers, went out and beat the Dolphins 35-0, beat Washington 43-21, shut out the Texans, 40 to nothing, and then a 38-20 win over the Chiefs, which was probably the most impressive win that you could have on your schedule, going to Kansas City and dominating the Chiefs like that, holding the Chiefs to only 20 points. And so now going into Tennessee, they are six-point favorites, and I find it very hard to fathom them losing to the Titans. Stranger things have happened, and of course it's possible. And this is a week where favorites are dominating. So maybe that's going to continue with the Bills on Monday night. But this is this team is just a buzzsaw right now. Taking a look at the props for Monday night football, you have uh, Josh Allen at 292.5 passing yards, Ryan Tannehill 236.5. Passing yards. Derek Henry, 97 and rushing yards. Uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss for the Bills. Singletary at 24 and Moss at 42 and Josh Allen is 31 and a half. Receiving yards. The leader is Stephon Diggs at 84 and Emmanuel Sanders at 54 and and uh, you look at the touchdown scores, obviously you're going to have Derrick Henry is going to be actually a minus 215 favorite to score a touchdown. And Stefan Diggs, even money, Josh Allen, plus 110, uh, Zach Moss, plus 120, Dawson Knox, plus 140, Emmanuel Sanders, plus 150, and so on and so forth. So those are your props uh, right now, taking a look at what's going to happen here on Monday Night Football Uh, Again, I I can't see the Bills losing, and uh, do I want to lay the six? I think I might be better off doing a teaser, which is what I did last week when I picked the um, Ravens in the teaser, and they came through, and combined it with the Thursday night of the Bucks. So do I want to do Monday and Thursday again? Well, if I take the the Bills and push them down from six to a pick, what do I want to do on Thursday night? I don't think I'm confident in the Browns, to be honest with you. So I don't think it's just as simple as taking the Browns to win on Thursday night. Because based on what I saw on Sunday, I'm not confident in Cleveland. I think the way to go is the Ravens, to be honest with you, on Sunday. So you go Bills as a pick and Ravens down from six and a half to a, po- a half point. So basically a pick To so Pick the Ravens to beat the Bengals and the Bills to beat the Titans. But would it shock me if the Bengals win against the Ravens? It wouldn't shock me would it shock me if the Titans upset the Bills? Yeah, maybe that would shock me because the Buffalo Bills are playing at such a high level right now. But you never know Monday Night Football on the road primetime always a scary uh, proposition. Continuing the teaser conversation as if you're looking at the early look here at week 7 you don't have much to go on. You know, the the Patriots from 6.5 to to basically a pick would be the way to go. The Ravens from 6.5 down would be the way to go. Uh, Dolphins, if you want to tease them up, as that line has now flipped. And the Falcons are now a favorite. Remember when we talked a couple of segments ago, the Dolphins were the favorite in that game. The uh, Falcons are a one-point favorite over the Dolphins. So you can tease the Dolphins up uh, from one, the, the Giants at plus two and a half, you could tease them up north of a field goal. I mean, north of a touchdown, and uh, no other movements and no other changes really on the board. The, the Chiefs, maybe from minus four, you want to get them below a field goal. I don't like teasing cross zero, but uh, they are four point favorites at the Titans. We'll see that line change because let's say the Bills blow out the Titans on Monday Night Football. I think that Kansas City line against Tennessee is going to change. Real quick, let me take a look at the injury uh, updates here from this past uh, Sunday here. Dak Prescott is going to undergo an MRI on his calf. He expects to be fine. And I was talking to somebody over the weekend about the Dallas Cowboys because a friend of mine is a huge Cowboys fan. And is backing them all the way, you know, backing them to win the division, backing them to win the NFC, backing them to win the Super Bowl. And I said, you know what? Hey, taking a future chance on them is not a bad idea, considering they're going to win their division. So by winning the division, they're going to get at least one home game in the playoffs, right? And if they sweep their division and keep adding to their wins, they're going to be a high enough seed that maybe they're getting multiple home games. We'll see. But the difference in the Cowboys with and without Dak Prescott is astronomical. They are a they are a very bad football team without Dak Prescott. Like, and I know that it's the same thing, and you're gonna say this about everybody. Like if a team loses their starting quarterback, they're going to be much worse. But the numbers, and I don't have them off the top of my head, but the, the, the numbers between the Cowboys' production with Dak Prescott and without Dak Prescott is just mind-boggling. But Dak Prescott, um, he said that he suffered a calf injury on his game-winning touchdown pass to C.D. Lamb, which was in overtime. And he said he came down funny on the throw that he made on the run. He said, quote, it was a little pain, but no for sure. I would have been able to keep going. I think the adrenaline would have been up and probably maybe not even felt it at the time. But after the time you relax and you're like, oh, well, there it is. And yet that happens. I mean, anybody who's uh, had an injury playing any type of sport knows that you don't really feel it until much later after you go home and and shower and whatnot, and you're like, oh, wow, I'm in a lot of pain. Uh, But Dak Prescott, so important to the Dallas Cowboys. uh, If he misses one game, it's going to affect them. If he's fine, he's fine, and it's great for them moving forward, taking a look at the rest of the Cowboys' schedule and the way it's going to uh, work here in terms of games that they will be favored in. Well, they are on the road at Minnesota. And that game is going to be Sunday night football on Thanksgiving. So coming off the bye week, they will play Thanksgiving. Uh, not Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Halloween. Thanksgiving. Halloween they will play. October 31st, Halloween night. It'll be at Minnesota. Um, I think they could be a slight favorite in that game. And then... Against the Broncos at home, they'll be favored. Against the Falcons at home, they'll be favored. That game against the Kansas City Chiefs on the 21st of November, that's going to be the really interesting game. And I think that's going to be the game where we will learn a lot about who this Dallas Cowboys team really is when it comes to their postseason possibilities. I'm Scott Satterberg. You follow me on Twitter, at scottsonair. Coming up next, we'll take a look at the Major League Baseball postseason here on The Look Ahead on VC, the Sports Betting Network.
2: work.
3: Zumo Play.